how do we be different? Right. And as a brokerage, it's, we're, we're allowing our agents to kind of go do everything they want to, and we're going to help them do that. And, you know, signing contracts, lending money, partnering, where some brokerages say, and this is all you do. And not that I judge one way or another, but I back to fortune favors the bold, right? That was, that was a bold move in some ways for you to say, let's go try this and spend 10 grand on it. This is the real estate podcast, a show by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's hear from our host, Matt Teifke and Alex Kaufman. Welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. Had a great episode with Dave DeBow. He lived in Canada. He moved down south, way south of Texas, and back to Canada. Got a really cool uh, program that he offers, helping entrepreneurs get on track. And been around business, been around real estate. He actually grew up around the real estate business. Uh, very enjoyable episode, and I think there's a lot that can be taken from this. He's got a book. He has a program that you can look into. Uh, sit back and enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Podcast. This episode is brought to you by House Max Funding. House Max is one of the fastest growing hard money lenders in America, specializing in loans that provide you the cash needed to fund flips buying holds and ground up construction projects house max gives you the ability to compete with all cash buyers and increase your velocity by closing in seven to ten business days if you're looking for cheap hard money and a relentless originator who will make sure your deal gets funded call or text bryce tennyson today 512-627-6192 bryce is a great friend of ours he actually funds all of our hard money uh, loans and uh, he'll get the job done for you uh, so make sure you give him a call. Back to the episode. All right, it's showtime. Dave DeBow, how's it going, man? It's awesome. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing good, man. We're staying busy and uh, appreciate you joining the Real Estate Podcast. Well, uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to be here and it's kind of a little bit of osmosis. You're in my favorite town in Texas, uh, probably cooking your buns off. I'm freezing my derriere off up here in Canada, but you know, it's all good, man. I love it, man. Well, I'm uh, sitting in the back of our construction office because our crew's uh, taking up the office right now. But appreciate your time, man. And well, uh, Keep it real. Yeah, yeah. Just keeping it real, keeping it natural. We're just rolling. And uh, yeah, man, you know, so what we like to do, we're just trying to provide value for entrepreneurs. And I've, I've done a little bit of research on uh, your YouTube channel and your, your company. I saw you got a, a psychology degree. And if, if you're okay with it, we'd love to kind of dive into your story on as much as you want to talk about, but kind of what growing up was like, what you've done in your career and, and how you got to the point you're at today. And along the way, we'll just, you know, fire off questions and talk real estate and making money and, and whatever's valuable to our listeners. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great, Matt. So uh, yeah, as your listeners can probably hear, I'm Canadian, got the, got the accent going here, uh, born and raised up in a hick town in the middle of nowhere. And kind of grew up around real estate because I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, the family home was actually a sixplex. So my father and my grandfather built a, a sixplex and we lived in one of the units. They lived in one of the other units and we had four tenants going on there. That seemed normal to me. Uh, my that's parents, really, just not, not to cut you off, but that's just like super cool to uh, have that experience growing up and understand owning real estate and having people help cover the mortgage and the payments or make well, that I, I didn't really understand that, but I wasn't that naturally gifted 
in the brain department. It was just kind of normal. It just seemed like, okay, you had all these different people kind of coming and going and it just was what it was. Uh, where I started paying a little bit of attention to it more was, uh, unfortunately, my parents split up, but my mom was a very active real estate entrepreneur. Now, you got to remember, I'm an old fart. So this is back in the 70s, early 80s. There she was, uh, a, a single mom working full time, raising a snot-nosed kid, me. And at that time, she was able to build up a portfolio of over 50 doors way back in the day. Wow. Hell, she, she even built a small, had a, a small apartment building built and uh, all sorts of different things. So I was, I was kind of used to seeing that. Uh, she and my older brother got involved in building a duplex. And I saw how excited they were about this. So I said, hey, I think I was about 12 at the time, 12, maybe 13. Can I get involved with this? And they said, have you got any money? And somehow I had, I had scraped up 200 bucks. So I got to invest my $200. They said, okay, you get to be in charge of the garbage stoop. <laughs> that, that's your piece of the property there, kid. So that was, I guess, my very first investment. Uh, fast forward a number of years. I, just, just to slow down real quick on this, because uh, yeah. my mom did similar things. Uh, she never developed something, but she was a, a single mom and she, bought a, she pretty much sacrificed a lot. Uh, was, was that a, was she a single mom, uh, buying this property? And, and, um, I mean, to back up a little bit even more, like with that eight plex, was that something your family talked about on the, like, was that part of a conversation of like, this is an asset, this is something, and this is why we're doing it? Not a lot. It, it kind of was, but it, it wasn't expressed that way. And unfortunately, you know, this is way before your time, my friend, but in the in the early 80s the the interest rates went insane and unfortunately my mother went went bankrupt went belly up and, and had to had to lose everything she got foreclosed on but because uh, the interest the interest rates spiked up to 18 21 percent kind of thing wow uh, which we can't even fathom these days but yeah it it, it put a crimp in her style <laughs> well, was it uh, was she you know, cause, uh, I'm never, I started in 2012. Right. Uh, and I've heard about this, but like those rates like that, I mean, was she on, uh, you know, variable interest rates and was, or was she doing some development? Like what, what would cause that to, to happen? I guess. Yeah, she was, it, it, I guess she was on some variable interest rates. Again, this is before I was actively paying a hell of a lot of attention. I just remember the crap storm that went on. That's for sure. Mm-hmm that that caused her luckily she had a good job so uh, but yeah it was it was it was one of those situations where basically a bank called the loan and she wasn't quite able to to make it happen and then house of cards came falling down kind of thing so Got it. yeah it was it was a big now give her credit you know she's passed passed on a few years ago but give her credit she she built back up and 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 started reinvesting in real estate as well. Didn't grow as big, but she always had investment properties. Uh, always had them. So uh, the entrepreneur was, always gets back up, right? Yeah, man. Not much choice, right? Yeah, that's uh, right. So myself, firstly, I, I went to university, graduated that. You know, it's called a BA. Um, I know you've you've got a master's degree there, Matt, but. A BA for me stands for basically asinine, right? It's a pretty much useless degree in psychology. Graduated way back in 1990. Nobody was, you know, I had a lot of fun in university. Didn't learn a hell of a lot. Didn't get good grades. 
And uh, when I graduated, nobody was throwing jobs at me for some miraculous reason. So I, I decided to go travel, see a bit of the world, and uh, ended up going down to Mexico. I out there for about a year and a half, traveled around Mexico and Central America all together for about two and a half years, and settled down in, in a little place called San Jose, Costa Rica, and decided, well, you know, what the heck, here I am, I was about 23 at the time, uh, you know, this looks like a cool country, why don't I just settle, plant my flag here, and settle down and start a business? What the heck? <laughs> what was your so that's what I, when you were going to Mexico, what was your mindset? Were you just kind of like, hey, I'm young, I want to get out and experience the world? Is that what you were yeah. thinking? Yeah, 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 exactly. So that was that was the thought process. I had nothing better to do pretty much is, is what was going on there, Matt. So I thought, what the hell, go see a bit of the world. Uh, so that's what I did. And, yeah. and settled down in Costa Rica. I had, uh, <laughs> had about a thousand bucks to my name by that time. I it was kind of poetic justice. I was an illegal alien in their country. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, I started to, started this little company, um, ended up meeting a lovely lady down there, got married, had kids, uh, had a language training company, somehow made it, made it work and, and actually was quite successful and lived there for 10 years and, and had a couple of kids. And then in 2003, we decided to pack everything up and move to Canada. So you got to remember, my, my wife was Costa Rican, my kids were Costa Rican. And everybody's going, Dave, you know, you're living in tropical paradise, kind of living the dream, you know, live in maids and gardeners and gated communities and all this kind of stuff. And you're going to leave all that behind and start all over again from scratch back in Canada. Why would you do that? Well, you, Matt, you, you don't realize how good we've got it in North America until you leave for a while. So again, Costa Rica is a great, lovely country. But being the pasty-faced white guy I am, whether you have money or not, everyone assumes that you do. And there's kind of a big target on your back and that of your family, right? So things like getting kidnapped and held for ransom and, and that sort of thing don't happen a lot, but they do happen. So I know two people that happened to. So I thought, you know what? Uh, kids are going to be tw uh, school age at that time. Let's raise them in Canada. So that's what we did. But then it was a new kind of a new challenge. It's like, what the hell am I going to do? I hadn't been able to sell my business in Costa Rica, so I didn't have a lot of cash. I'd be gone so long, I had zero credit. I didn't have bad credit. I had no credit. I've been self-employed so long, I was pretty much unemployable. And, um, and, and we had to move from that lifestyle to a, a crappy little townhouse on the wrong side of the, of the tracks. I was like, okay. And, and my, my uh, Costa Rican wife, now my ex-wife, she's kind of persnickety, right? So there's a little bit of pressure to get my you-know-what together. And I remember, I don't know if you remember these things. Do you remember those late night infomercials that used to come across the TV that says, you too can get rich in real estate with little or no money down. Yeah. Uh, I actually took a formal education about real estate. I took a, uh, <laughs> a, a guy uh, from Florida, his home study course. And that's, that was my for, first foray into real estate education. What was your business in, in Costa Rica? At a language training company. So we would, send teachers out to corporate clients like uh, Pfizer and, and uh, Intel and Kimberly Clark and big transnational companies. And we would, we would train their employees how to speak English. Okay. So what were up to this point of your life, what were some of the biggest challenges and biggest lessons that you had learned uh, to set you up for the next part of your life? Well, I guess, uh, 
being bold, pretty good lesson. Being like, bold, uh, love it. Fortune favors the bold. Yeah, yeah, man, because there was, you know, after having that kind of experience of starting from scratch in a, in a foreign country in a foreign language as an illegal alien at the time, uh, it, nothing seemed all that scary. You know, coming back home, it, it seemed like this, this shouldn't be that tough. And, uh, you know, I, I really took that, that training that I received and I put it into play. And that was one of the big things that I noticed because um, the, the original training I took was from a guy named Ron Legrand, who I'm sure you've, you've heard of. He's, he's pretty big in the real estate circles, or at least he used to be. And I can remember I went to a seminar that, that he put on in Canada. He came up here. And there were literally, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people at this seminar. And we all got together and, and people from different areas kind of got together and we decided, hey, let's meet together and brainstorm and self-support each other and, and help each other succeed. So, so I started doing that. And I live in a small town about three and a half hours away from Vancouver. So we decided to get together in Vancouver uh, on a weekly basis to kind of, so I had to hop in my car and drive three and a half hours to Vancouver, have this little get together with these other real estate weirdos and, and then get in my car and drive back home. Right. So I can remember by this time I'd already been active. I already, you know, my initial acclaim to fame was I did 18 deals in 18 months. So I was, I was kind of at the beginning of that journey and I'd already done several deals and this was my gig. This is, I was very serious about this. And I can remember going to that first meeting and a bunch of people were saying, well, okay, let's, Let's have a goal for next week when we get together. Everybody have their business cards done. I go, holy shit. I mean, you can do a hell of a lot more in a week than get your business cards done for Christ's sake. But okay, you know, not, not everybody's at the same stage I am. So I went back. So we started off with like, whatever, 40 people in this group. Go back the next week. You kind of know how this is going to go. Instead of 40 people, now there's, you know, 25 people. Out of those 25 people, nobody got their damn business cards done. Nobody done a damn thing. Everybody's just kind of sitting on their thumbs doing nothing. So I'm getting frustrated. So bottom line is I went to three or four of those things. The whole group whittled down to pretty much nothing and nobody was doing anything. So it, it just reinforces, my friend, that, that fortune definitely does favor the bold. And, and most people are just, I don't know, they're, they're stuck in analysis paralysis or something. I, I get that. Completely, man. I, you know, it's, uh, when you're trying to go the business route, an entrepreneur route, you just realize that you have to think a little differently. And once you start doing that, that you realize there are no ceilings. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah for sure. You no, know, that's part of why we're, we try to do what we do is we, I'm a big believer that real estate can be for everybody and it can create that generational wealth and it can set up a lifestyle that, you know, whatever you want to do is possible. And it doesn't mean that you have to make a million dollars. You can make 70,000 and, and, you know, not have to wake up at eight and, and uh, clock out at seven or whatever it may be. All right, guys, let's talk about today's sponsor. Glenn LeBlanc and Supreme Lending have been serving the Austin market for 20 plus years. They are a local lender with in-house underwriting, so you're kept in the loop every step of the way. Whether you're doing a cash out for home repairs or a first time home buyer, 
Glenn makes the lending process smooth and easy to navigate. Always available and able to educate buyers along the way. Choose a local lender when buying your next home. Call 512-672-9472 anytime. And if you say you heard this ad on our podcast, Glenn will refund your appraisal if you use him. Definitely reach out to Glenn. Glenn is a personal friend of ours. The link to his website is in the description below. Now back to the episode. When you're saying about the 18 deals in 18 months, what were you doing? Were you flipping properties or can you kind of give some insight there? Yeah, well, I was doing all those wonky, low money, no money down type strategies. So I I was doing options on people's houses. I was getting properties for a dollar, taking over the underlying mortgages. I was doing sandwiched leases. I was doing all these creative type things because I didn't understand the concept. Uh, well, first of all, I didn't have the cash to buy stuff. Like construction guy, sorry. <laughs> no problem. I didn't have the cash to buy the properties uh, outright. I didn't have, I didn't have the, the, I didn't have the cash or the credit to qualify for financing. And I hadn't clued into using other people's money yet. So, so my whole focus was on finding motivated sellers who are in kind of wonky situations and helping them get out of their properties. So, and how are you finding these opportunities? Oh, well, I was following the instructions that I got in, in the training there at the time. So this, you know, this is before, uh, things were, were too crazy with, you know, Google ads and Facebook ads and all this kind of stuff. So a lot of old school stuff, Matt, like uh, direct mail, flyers, postcards, vehicle signage worked nicely, bandit signs, <laughs> tear tab signs, you you name it. I was doing it. I did have a website, got that kind of up and going. I uh, developed a thing where we were kind of going through at that time's Craigslist or, or the, our equivalent of Craigslist and, and coming up with all the, the house sellers and getting the addresses and doing direct mail to them and then getting them to, to call and, and book an appointment and this kind of stuff. So I got, I got I, with my previous business at Ghost Freak, I became very passionate and good at marketing. And I applied that to, to attracting motivated sellers. And I'm in a fairly small area. I mean, the, the city I was living in at the time had a population of about 80,000 people. So it wasn't a huge, huge place. So I really just focused on, on the, the town and the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of lines in the water, right? Yeah, trying man. To, trying to find, that's what, another thing that, that I always talk about is having hundreds or thousands of lines in the water and the bait is the value. The value that you can bring for someone is what you're, you're trying to attract people to. We're trying to, at that point, I was trying to find people that were in, in desperate situations who needed a solution and there was no other solution for them. And there really wasn't, right? I mean, if, if you've got somebody who's a little bit upside down on their property that they owe more than the damn thing's worth, they can't sell it without going out of pocket. And if they need to move, they don't have cash. You know, you got people, unfortunately, estate sale type situations, you got all sorts of different, different reasons. Um, so I became quite good at that. So I did that for a couple of years and then I uh, caught the eye of an up and coming real estate guru up here, kind of the Canadian version of Robert Kiyosaki, kind of the Canadian rich dad kind of guy. In fact, he was very closely associated with Robert Kiyosaki for years and uh, caught his eye and ended up going on board with him and his company as, as the director of marketing. Um, Helped him grow his little company from him and one or two employees working out of his basement to seven branch offices, 128 employees, and about 
$200 million a year in revenues uh, over the, the six years that I was working with those guys. I didn't do all that, but if I was helping with the, the marketing through all of that. Uh, that's took a little bit of time off from actively investing in real estate and really, was really focusing on that. What was your way to get plugged in there and, and say, hey, here's some value that I can bring. How did you go about doing that and, and showing that value? That's a, that's a good question. Nobody's really asked it that way before, Matt. Um, it was all about bringing the value. So the, the way I first met this guy is, <laughs> it's a long story, but the way, the way I first met him, he, is, he was doing these little seminars and, and playing the cash flow game. And I was a big fan of Kiyosaki and Rich Dad and all that stuff. So I was in there like a dirty shirt. And he was starting up a company called Doorknob Ads. So I was like, you know, those old uh, hotel do not disturb signs. Well, it was ads like that, like little coupon ads that you would put on the front door of every, every house in town. Mm -hmm. I looked at that and said, Hey, that's brilliant. I would love to have my, I buy houses ad on that. And I'd love to have everybody else pay for it so I could advertise for free. So basically I went on board very early on as one of his first, uh, wasn't really a, well, let's say a franchisee for lack of a better term. So that's how, so I paid him some money up front because I became one of these things. And then I was watching as I was doing this business and, and, and all that, I was watching what he was doing with his marketing for promoting his seminar business. I said, I kept kind of giving him unsolicited suggestions like, dude, you know, you should be, you think about doing this or think about doing this or think about, and, and, and the real key was, I said, you know what, you're doing what everybody else is doing. You're doing what all the, the, the big gurus are trying to do. And that is you're hitting the, because I'm up here in Canada, right? You're hitting all the big cities, right? So you're hitting the Toronto's, the Vancouver's, the Calgary's, the Edmonton's. Why don't you try going to some of the smaller towns that nobody else goes to? And he basically kind of kept pushing me off, pushing me off, pushing me off. And finally, I think I wore him down. I wasn't trying to sell him anything. Um, he said, okay, hey, let's shut you up you know, prove, put your money where your mouth is, or I'll put your, my money where your mouth is. Let, let's try something in your city. And so at that point, typically he was spending about 30,000 bucks to fill up an event in a place like Vancouver or Toronto. I said, okay, well, what's, what's the budget? He said, well, I'm willing to invest 10 grand. Okay. So previously with $30,000, he was, he was getting on average about 300 people to come to one of his events, okay, give or take. So long story short, with $10,000, I ended up getting close to 600 people to come out to an event in a town of 80,000 people. So we got, <laughs> we got twice the response from one-tenth the population and one-third of the marketing budget. He said, okay, guess what, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> you're my marketing guy. And, and so that was a, that was a fun six year run. That's cool. So uh, that's something we always talk about as well. And, and I'm personally big on is how do we be different? Right. And as a brokerage, it's, we're, we're allowing our agents to kind of go do everything they want to, and we're going to help them do that. And, you know, signing contracts, lending money, partnering, where some brokerages say, hey, this is all you do. And not that I judge one way or another, but, I back to fortune favors the bold, right? That was, that was a bold move in some ways for you to say, let's go try this and spend 10 grand on it. And it worked out. 
you know, so that's a good insight to take away is anytime you can seek to be different and try something out, if it's going to work, usually the results are going to be really well, really good and big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I was pretty confident they would work. Um, yeah. And, and it did. It definitely did. Right on. Yeah, so that's, okay. that, that was kind of that thing. So I took a little time off of actively investing in real estate uh, about 2010 ish jumped back in, started focusing on uh, a certain style of rent to own and okay. investing called tenant first rent to own. So by that time I'd been in the back in the country a long time. My credit was, was good. I'd, I'd put aside a few shekels and, and I self, like a lot of people, I self financed my first couple of properties. And uh, then Matt, I like a lot of folks and, and that, these are the people I work with mom and pop real estate investors. I ran out of cash and credit to do more deals. And, you know, I heard just find a good deal and the money will find you. Have you ever heard that expression? Yeah. Well, I guess what? I found this really good deal and I had it all ready to go and I calculated everything out and it was going to be a really sweet little deal, but I didn't have the investors lined up. Right. So I thought, okay, well, the money's not going to magically fall out of the, out of the sky for me. I'm going to have to go do something. So I'd heard, you know what? I'd watched a few movies and I'd heard a lot of stuff, pick up the phone and start dialing for dollars. I really didn't like that idea, but I thought, okay, I'll try that. Dial, 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 rejection, 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 rejection. I'm a sensitive kind of guy. I don't know if you can tell that from talking to me, Matt. I couldn't handle that much rejection. So I said, okay, screw that. I don't want to do that anymore. And then I also heard, go and turn every conversation into a real estate conversation. Go out, schmooze, network, talk up a storm. Okay, so I went to the local B&I, Chamber of Commerce, Toastmasters, whoever the hell would let me in the door. I went in there and polished up my little 30-second commercial, my elevator pitch and my business cards. And guess how much money I raised that way? Zero. <laughs> exactly. Big fat zero. So by this time, I'm running out. I'm really running out of time, right? So I had to get a week-long extension on, on closing on the property. And I came up with a brilliant idea. I said, hey, this deal's so good, it will sell itself if enough people see it. So again, remember, I'm, I'm coming from a marketing background. You'd think I'd, I'd know a thing or two. So I put together a, a little PDF outline of this deal and how great it was. And I zapped that out to several hundred people on my list. That was the first thing that showed any traction. But then I started getting all these replies back saying, hey, Dave, I haven't heard from you in five years or 10 years or one guy, one guy hadn't heard from me in 18 years. Here you are hitting me up for cash. Take a hike. So uh, long story short, Matt, lost that deal, went down in flames, did not, was not able to raise the capital for that deal. And that's when I really kind of woke up and said, this sucks. You know, this whole chasing after the money, find a good deal and the money will find you. That's, that's not my experience. That's for sure. What I want to do is I want to get my investors lined up, ready to go, and then yeah. we'll make our offers on property. So that's that's where I kind of came up with my my twist on things, what I call my money partner formula. And then, you know, over the years, it's it's transformed a bit. I've, I've gone from doing uh, that kind of real estate investing. Now I'm much more of a passive investor focusing on multifamily properties. But my, my main shtick these days is helping other mom and pop real estate investors get started with the whole capital raising process. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that. Um, you know, it's funny cause I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's a, you can see all sides of it, find the deal, find the money. Well, the money's going to want the deal. So 
you know, people want to tell you that because they want you to bring you a deal um, that they can buy, but they're going to want all the equity, you know, or most of the equity. So there's, that's partly true. And, and there's a lot of different ways to view it. And just ideally you're getting around on, on who you're talking to. That, that's too. what I was going to say is ideally it's like, who's the person that's going to be the money. And if they like me, I, I say that to people bring me a deal, but I don't want to take the deal, all the equity. I want to give them some equity. So we go do more. And so I've done all kinds of things where I'll throw up all the money and then I get paid back and then we split the profits a certain way. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, that whole thing is find the deal, find the money. It's true, but it's not in some ways because you could like you exactly like what you said. And well, here, here's my little twist on it. Yeah. If we get a bunch of prospective money partners lined up, ready to go, people have put up their hand and said, Hey, you know what, Matt, when you got a deal, I want first dibs. I want to hear about it first. Right. When you get a number of those people lined up, then yeah, go find the deals because you know, you've got capital there to back you up. So it's, it's kind of like if, Find the deal and money will come. Will, will come. Yeah, if you've already got your investor partners lined up, primed, ready to go. It's kind of like uh, getting your ducks in a row ahead of time, right? It just makes sense. Having your eight. It's all consistency, right? Like you got to be, you got to know these people. And, and uh, like I've, I'm talking to a developer today in Austin on a couple of tracks that I found. Uh, but this has been a six-year deal of him knowing me. And finally, to, literally today, we're, we're talking about a property and he's giving me 30 minutes, you know, where he wouldn't have done that if I didn't spend the, the previous time getting to know him. Six years. Right, right. <laughs> Takes years, man. So that's the biggest thing that, that I feel as if people really miss out on is the consistent approach. If I had to pick one thing, that would be it. Uh, you know, just like your, your deal, in my opinion, of like when you were going to all these uh, clubs and Toastmasters, etc. You know that would have worked if you would have kept doing it for years. But obviously, there's a trade-off of where where's your time more valuable. Um, and I'm sure you you've kind of seen that and, and agree with me. But like we have agents, and they're like, "How do I do this or that?" And I'll tell them, "Go to just just go do something and be super consistent with it." Yeah, because yeah. nobody nobody you know says yes on the first call or signs the first offer. The Real Estate Podcast is sponsored by Doyen Inspections. Doyen is a team of female professional home inspectors that serve the greater Austin area. Whether you are buying a resale, building a new home, or about to list your home for sale, the ladies at Doyen Inspections can inspect your home. They provide a color-coded and thorough inspection report full of images, videos, and explanations. Visit Doyen, that is D-O-Y-E-N-N-E, inspections.com for more information or give them a call at 512-655-9940. Now back to the episode. I even go further back than that, Matt, because again, a lot of the people that I'm working with, what I call real estate entrepreneurs, they do not have the depth of experience and know-how that someone like yourself does. Like, and sometimes we forget that, right? Like I've been around real estate for a long time. You're, I mean, you're the only guy I know that's got a master's degree <laughs> for Christ's sake. So, so sometimes we have to kind of remove ourselves from that and realize that, that most what I call mom and pop real estate entrepreneurs, they've got one or two, maybe three deals under their belt. They've self-financed everything. They've got a their little portfolio. They're, most of them are working at their jobs still, 
you know, they, they want to get to the point where they can start doing real estate full time, but they're not, they're not there. And they don't really know how to get started. So, I mean, they're, they're not in the spot to reach out to accredited investors. They're, they're not going to be able to compete at, at that level. So the shortcut that I've come up for people is this, especially that's, that's why our target market is people that are just getting started with raising capital really ties in with the consistency you're talking about. But why don't we start focusing on a group of people that we already know, right? Why don't we, why don't we focus on our friends, our family members, uh, people that, that who know us and who we know that I firmly believe most of your viewers are, if they're just getting started with raising capital, there's between 500,000 and a million dollars of capital in their current contacts that they just haven't accessed yet. So that is, in my mind, that's the most logical place to start because, and let me know if you, if you disagree, but no, somebody, I, yeah, totally. Well, they need to know you, like you and trust you. You spent okay. six years working on that with this guy. So we got a shortcut here. These people already know us. Hopefully they like us. Now we just got to get them to trust us with their money for a real estate deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think the trust also, in my opinion, comes with time, right? Because you're at the barbecue and you know, you tell your uncle, Hey, I'm raising capital. He's like, when did you start doing this? Yesterday, you know, yesterday. He's like, no, I ain't, I ain't put money with you. But that 10th barbecue, after you've told them about the deals and what's going on and he's seen the work, then maybe he's coming to you asking to invest. Exactly. That's a, that's an awesome point. And there's a way to kind of do both that there is a way to do both. So, so this, this five step little process here we've got is, Step number one is all about let's create that target group of prospective investors. And when we're working with clients, we, we work with them to come up with a, a group of about 150 to 200 people, right? Friends, family, family members, people from work, people from church, people from their sports groups or civic associate, whatever the hell they're involved with. You know, you know these people, they know you. They're at least likely to listen to you. Now, do we know, do all of them have money? Hell no, we, we know that ahead of time. But we, we don't know who has it and who doesn't have it. We can never assume. And who they know. And who they know, exactly, right? So we want to focus on them uh, for, for those big reasons. The other big reason is to stay out of crap with the Securities and Exchange Commission, right? Because if we're, if we're running, running out like chickens with their head cuts off, cut off, just talking to everybody and anybody about investing with us, we could very well be crossing the line, legally speaking, as to what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And again, I'm not a lawyer, an accountant or anything like that, but you need to get proper legal advice about that. But if we're working within a group of people that we already have that pre-existing relationship with, it's a much safer place to, to get started. Does that make sense, Matt? Yeah, so absolutely. We come up with that list of a couple of hundred people. And then instead of inviting everybody over for barbecues, which is not not practical, <laughs> especially nowadays. I don't know what you guys are like, but we're still in a little bit of a lockdown here. Um, it's wide so, open in Texas in some ways. It's wide open. So I don't, you guys are all inoculated and you don't give a crap anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild west out here. That's right. So anyhow, what, what we want to do is we want to reconnect with these people first before we start talking money, Right. Because it's kind of tacky, and I know this from well that ex, that experience, right? Where I emailed, spammed everybody with my deal, and they told me to buzz off. Let's reconnect with them personally first, kind of like a virtual version of the barbecue, right? 
And then we can transition into starting to talk about business, right? Starting to talk about real estate. And then uh, it's all about having a, you know, a good presentation to show people. So if they do put up their hand and say, hey, Matt, I'm interested, tell me what you got. We got to remember that most of these people are not real estate nerds like us, right? Most of these people, and this is hard for, for us to remember sometimes because we're so immersed in this stuff. We got to remember that these folks are regular everyday human beings, punching the clock, doing a job, whatever. They're not super juiced up about real estate like we are. So we got to dumb it down quite a bit. We got to keep it, we got to simplify it. We got to make it at the reader's digest level for these folks because they're not sophisticated, accredited type investors. They're, they're everyday folks. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So I always suggest people have a uh, well put together slideshow type presentation that you can show them on your tablet or your laptop or doing it by Zoom, whatever you want to do like that. That tends to work much better for most people than trying to draw stuff out on a yellow legal pad with a Sharpie MLM style. So a good presentation. And then the next part is all about that consistency, like you were talking about, right? That constant, consistent communication. In other words, marketing. So you need to stay, you need to get top of mind and you need to stay top of mind with your prospective investors. Because here's what I found, Matt. Let's say we got a group of 200 people. Out of those 200 people, there might be, there, there very well could be 10 people who could invest with us. Would that be fair? There, there could be 10 people out of those 200. We don't know who they are yet, right? We're not sure which ones are and which ones aren't. But out of the group of, of 10 people, I would say that one or two of them, if we do things right, could be ready to invest fairly quickly, like within the next 30 to 90 days. We could get a couple of investors out of there actually investing with us sooner rather than later. However, the vast majority, as you mentioned, the 80% of them, it's going to take more time. They're, they're going to need to see more proof in the pudding. They're going to need to get much more comfortable to really create that trust factor with you about their money, right? So that's the importance of this constant, consistent communication. So what we always tell our clients and what we do with our, our clients is we have weekly communication coming out from them to their list of prospective investors. It might be a electronic newsletter one week. It might be a blog post the next week. It might be a video log the next week. Short, sweet, little edutaining marketing. Always keeping in mind that these people are not real estate nerds like us. They don't want to see a ton of graphs and, and charts and data. They want, to get, they want to know that we know what the hell we're talking about, and they want to get the gist of it. At least that's been my experience. Sure. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, man. So that's, that's three out of these steps. The fourth step is being seen as a credible real estate authority in the eyes of our target group of prospective investors. So it's all about creating that credibility. We already got, they know us and they like us. Now we need to work on that trust factor. So there are all sorts of different ways to do that. You're familiar with a lot of these because of your, your business, but having a good website's a big part of that. Uh, the marketing's another part of that. Uh, the way you present yourself is another big part of that. Being interviewed on podcasts, interviewing people, all these kind of things are great ways to build up your credibility in the eyes of your prospective investors. Yeah, and then last but not least, is all about once you've got an investor or two on board, it's so much easier to get more of them with really good testimonials and really good referrals, all those warm right. referrals. That's it in a nutshell, my friend. 
That's good, man. And so you help, uh, help me understand how you plug in. Do you help you, you people come to you and you help them create this and, and captivate an investor audience and then they can go take down deals? Yeah. I like to say we've got a boutique marketing agency and our, our target clientele are mom and pop real estate entrepreneurs who are just getting started with raising capital and really don't know what to do and really don't want to figure all this stuff out. I mean, uh, we, we plug in, we do all this stuff for them on their behalf, set everything up for them, websites, presentations, marketing, uh, <laughs> all the way to helping them create their, their contact list of people to, to market to, setting all, everything up in CRMs, all this kind of stuff. That's what we do. We do done for you marketing services. Very cool. That's great, man. Very, very much needed for a lot of investors. And uh, I haven't heard many people that do it. So it seems like a a good niche that you got. Yeah, it's pretty cool because we can plug in with a lot of folks like like you who are working with real estate entrepreneurs and helping them to grow their their portfolio, but they get stuck, right? They run out of cash, they run out of credit. Where do they go? So this is, this is one piece of the puzzle. And yeah, we've, uh, we're based in Canada, but we're international. We got clientele all over the States even people as far as away as Australia and the UK uh, following this, this process, it works. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear the, a little bit of the background. And so right now moving forward, it's, it's working pretty well and you're trying to grow it. What are ways that myself or the listeners can add some value for you? What are some maybe big challenges that you have uh, that we can plug in and, and help with? Big challenges that I have? Yeah. Is, is it uh, finding, finding people to help you come join your team to, to grow this or anything like that? Uh, we've got it pretty much dialed in, but if, uh, if, if people are interested in finding out more about how we can help them, then they can, you know, they, they can get a, a free copy of that book they see in the background there, which I, I've called, called the money partner formula. And I've spared no expense in, in uh, putting together the sign for you. All right. Uh, investor attraction book.com. Yeah. Investor attraction book.com. I'll trade them a PDF copy of my book for their name and their email address. That'll get them into, into my world. Uh, you'll see the constant consistent communication happening there. That's for sure. And if everybody's ever interested in, in the way we do it is I, I do a full day training program, a virtual workshop, spend a full day teaching all of this stuff and then offer the big red easy button for us to actually do it for them. That's great, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Is there anything you can think of that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, anything valuable for you or the listeners? Well, I just, uh, I, I think that what, what you and, and the gang are doing there, you and Alex are doing there with your company is amazing. I, cause you're kind of a full, full service. Thank you. Outfit. So keep on doing what you're doing. I'm looking forward to coming down and visiting you guys. I, I mentioned, I appreciate you uh, being on my podcast a, a few weeks ago as well. So next time I'm in Austin, I'll let you guys show me around because I think you know the best places to go. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we got you covered, man. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But I'm, again, I uh, appreciate being here. Yeah, man. And I, you know, I'm, I, t- I think I told you, but I'm a big cannabis guy and, you know, Canada, I, I look up to what Canada's doing and they're, leading the charge in a lot of ways. So I want to, I want to make it up there and uh, see what that's all about. We'd love to have you, man. Love to have you. Always. Love. All right, Dave. Well, appreciate your time, man. Uh, what are ways that listeners, I know you, you showed the website, the link, but 
any other ways that they may be able to get a hold of you or contact you? That's the best way. Just investorattractionbook.com, name and email address. You'll be, you'll be in the system. You can reach out to me that way, but that's, that's the best way to get started. Cool. And you got a YouTube channel as well? Yeah, we got the podcast thing and the whole bit, and, and we had a great chat with, with you and Alex not that long ago, so they can check that out as well, propertyprofitspodcast.com. All right, Dave. Well, signing out from Austin, Texas, the Real Estate Podcast. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. Take care.